0: Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits Podcast, where we unapologetically cast aside denominational traditions and refuse to embrace clever church trends so that we can continue to be enlightened and shaped by the beautiful combination of biblical truth and Holy Spirit power. God is still seeking those who worship in spirit and truth, and for those who answer that call, there will often be a sense of being a maverick or misfit who can't quite fit into the status quo Christianity. The Mavericks and Misfits podcast will empower you to find your tribe among others who simply want what is true and what is real in God's kingdom. And now, let's join our host, a self-proclaimed church maverick and ministry misfit, Jeff Lyle.
1: For the last few episodes, we have been talking about kingdom, and I know that's about as broad of a topic as you can cover in a Christian podcast, but kingdom is everything for me. And um, if you're asking me, Everything I am, everything I do, everything I communicate, it falls under the banner of kingdom because I've been convinced for many years that what God intended from the very beginning in the garden was a kingdom and not just a church, not just a family, not just a creation, but a kingdom, an interactive, interpersonal, glorious, eternal, everlasting kingdom that has his son Jesus Christ situated right in the center of all of it, sitting on his throne, ruling and reigning and emitting beams of glory forever and ever and ever. And so I don't have any problem talking about the kingdom of God and doing so in a way that could go on forever and ever and ever. And today I want to really kind of weave in a little personal testimony about what God's doing in my life right now. Um, but into the bigger concept of this topic of change within the kingdom. Um, If you are a Big K Kingdom Christian, and if you don't know what that means, listen to the previous podcast and you'll find out what Big K versus Little K means. I don't have time to go into it today, but if you are a Big K Kingdom Christian, then one of the things that you will get used to and embrace and hopefully even learn to appreciate is the reality that living in the big K kingdom comes in a package that includes regular change. Kingdom living is not safe. You say, Jeff, that sounds heretical. What are you talking about? Well, what I'm saying is safe in the sense of comfortable, cozy, predictable, manageable. That kind of safe? No, that's not capital K kingdom living. Um, it is good. It is holy. It is righteous. It is, uh, filled with wonder and it can be adventurous, but it's not safe. And God never intended to call us into a predictable, humanly manageable, safe, comfortable relationship with him. And following Jesus means, uh, committing to a lifestyle of change. And I believe that, um, This is a great time for us to be discussing this because we have been in uh, a couple of consecutive years of big shifts and changes in the culture, in the atmosphere, in the expression of what uh, Christianity is. Um, There's a lot of prophecy that's out there that says that the understanding of Christianity will be changed in this generation doesn't mean the the components or the core of Christianity will be changed, but the understanding and the manifestation of it, what Christianity looks like in the earth will be changed. And I tend to agree with that because again, it goes back to that concept of the church being moved out of a little K cultural version of Christianity and kingdom into a capital K version of Christianity and the kingdom, which keeps Jesus in the middle of it. And so um, we are in a season of change in the Lyle family, and I'll talk more about that in a moment. I hope you'll just continue to listen because I want to share a big announcement that I told you in the last podcast I'd be sharing. I'm going to go ahead and share it. We shared it with our uh, faith family, our, our friends at Newbridge Church here uh, just this past Sunday. Um, and so it kind of ties into what I want to share today and just recognizing that sometimes God changes things up on you. And, And maybe you weren't even looking for anything to change. And then out of nowhere comes this intrusive ripple in your normally manageable pond. And God didn't announce it was coming beforehand. He didn't dialogue with you to see if it was convenient for you. He did not ask your permission because God doesn't have to ask permission. And change sometimes is just God initiating something with a spur of the moment kind of atmosphere. And that doesn't mean that He's insensitive or that God is mean or cavalier, and how He leads us. it just well when God seems to change things that we assumed would never change this is these are pivotal moments that occur in our lives wherein that we've learned to recognize that God is making our previous limited vision a little more attuned to his plan. That's what God is doing when he initiates change in your life He's He's taking your previously limited vision of what it is to be his and to be living in the kingdom and he's enlarging it he's bringing revelation and understanding and wisdom and he he takes your previous vision and he makes it a little bit more attuned to his ongoing plan for you and his plan by the way for his kingdom and you're a part of that but I, I feel like a great illustration of this principle. Is, comes from the life of the Old Testament prophet and judge whose name was Samuel. He was Israel's leader in ancient times. He he did. He served as God's prophet. He served as a judge or a leader of Israel. He was a spiritual leader. And um, Samuel's life story starts when he's a little boy and he's serving in the temple of God and or the tabernacle. And it goes all the way through him becoming, his story does, an old man who had spent his whole life faithfully serving God and serving the nation of Israel. And so during his lifetime, this assignment from God came. The day came when, when um, Saul was to be anointed the first king over Israel. And Samuel played the pivotal role in anointing and appointing Israel's first king, Saul, but Saul blew it. Saul was a terrible king, a terrible leader, an insecure man. And so the day came when the man Saul that Samuel had first anointed the king over Israel had to be removed from his kingship. I mean, God was changing things that Samuel probably assumed would remain. And so God was saying no longer to something he had once said yes to. Now he's saying no longer and if, if, you, if you read in 1 Samuel, especially chapter 15, 13, 14, 15, um, the book of 1 Samuel, you, you're going to find out that Samuel was not really happy about this unforeseen change. Um, Samuel was not liking the change that God was bringing. Samuel had invested in Saul. Samuel had promoted Saul. Samuel had taught Saul. He had mentored Saul. And now because of Saul's failures, God was saying to Samuel, I'm done with Saul and you're going you're gonna to bear the news. And Samuel did not like this change that God was initiating. So in, in one verse, I'm going to read you one verse. It's 1 Samuel 16 and verse number one. This is what God says to Samuel. He says, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being the king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse in Bethlehem, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. So let me just paraphrase here. So God had told Samuel privately, I am absolutely done with King Saul. I have rejected him. I don't want him to be the lasting king over Israel. Samuel is not feeling it. Samuel is not happy. And he doesn't like the change that God is giving. And he's mourning the failure of Saul. And he's feeling a whole lot of different negative emotions about this change that's coming. And God says, hey, knock it off. <laughs> he says, Samuel, how long are you going to keep grieving over Saul? You know what I've decided. I've rejected him from being the king over Israel. And now I've got a new assignment for you. You're going to have to get with it. He says, get your horn, fill it up with anointing oil Go find Jesse in Bethlehem, because among his sons, I have provided for myself a king. And the change was sovereignly initiated by God, and there was nothing Samuel could do about it. So like us, Samuel had to learn that part of the reality of a sovereign authority, (laughs) whose name is God, is that God unilaterally begins things and ends things. God starts something. God finishes things. What he begins, he finishes. And by the way, sometimes God interrupts things. Don't miss that. He unilaterally begins things and he unilaterally ends things, but sometimes God unilaterally interrupts things. And clearly, God expected Samuel to accommodate to the new direction that God was leading in the nation of Israel. But Samuel was reluctant to embrace these God-ordained changes in Israel's leadership. And, you know, Samuel's not being asked to stand on the sidelines and be an idle spectator. Samuel was being called to actually facilitate the change by anointing the new king. So again, remember the language from the verse I read in 1 Samuel 16, 1. Remember the language. Um, He had already, God had already made up his mind and rejected Saul's kingship. He had already made up his mind about raising up a new king. Over Israel. He had already made up his mind about the individual who would rule over Israel in Saul's place. But I think most importantly, notice that God declares that all of this change that he had already made up his mind about was for myself, quote unquote. God said, this is for me. I am raising up for myself a new king. So listen, by the way, if you know the story of, of King David's life, that new king was David. David was a young son of Jesse, and God handpicked him to be the replacement, the eventual replacement for Saul. But you you and I have got to recognize that when God initiates changes and interruptions and takes away things that we thought were forever and and begins new things, ultimately, these changes, especially in the story we're thinking about with Samuel and Saul and David, these changes were not so much about Samuel. They, They really weren't so much about Saul And David, or even the nation of Israel, as they were about God and his glory. He says, I'm doing this for myself, for my name, for my glory. These are changes I am doing because my ultimate commitment is to my own glory. And Saul is not cooperating with my glory. David is going to be um, a conduit, a a vessel of my glory. Israel will reflect my glory under David. And Samuel, this is paraphrasing here, Samuel, I'm telling you, you're going to initiate the process of this change. I'm not asking you to watch me do it. I'm calling you to cooperate with it. Now that's where things get tough. Because it's really easy for us to recognize that God's changing things that we aren't necessarily wanting them to change. And we can get pouty, we can get upset, we can get afraid, we can get hurt, we can get angry or we can hunker down in a spirit of kingdom faith and say, none of this is about me. Ultimately, it involves me, but it's not about me. It's about this God who has bought me with a price through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. I am not my own. I don't belong to me. And it's not about what I want. It's about what God has ordained. And so we, we, we kind of, friends, we, we have to remember this when God injects into our lives a no longer season in a place where he once said yes. W- what am I talking about? Well, he often introduces change in places where we had mistakenly assigned permanence. So we think when God begins something, it's permanent, it's going to go on forever. And then out of nowhere, God reserves the right to say no longer. This season is over, we're beginning a new season, here comes a change, I'm calling you to cooperate with it, it's about my glory, you don't understand it all yet, but your obedience is going to bring you into the plan, and you just need to know, I'm good, I'm glorious, I'm sovereign, I'm in control, I'm changing things, and yes, it impacts you, but it is not ultimately about you. Now, very quickly, how does that make you feel towards God? Because if we are not careful, you can think, well, God doesn't have the right to do that. A good God wouldn't mess with my life. A good God wouldn't initiate change that causes me discomfort. A good God wants me to be comfortable and safe and predictable and happy and manageable. Well, you can believe that, but you can't believe it based on scripture because that's not the God of the Bible, nor does the Bible present God as callous and cold and unfeeling and uncaring and He does, he's going to do what he wants and he doesn't give a rip what you think. That's not God either. But there are seasons where God does not acquiesce to what we want or feel that we need because his plan is always greater. And part of being a follower of Jesus Christ is to acknowledge, okay, I don't understand this. I'm not comfortable with this. I don't like this. I didn't expect this. This feels like an ambush, but God is saying no more to something he once said yes to. So I think we do well to remember that his plan or plans are rarely motionless. And listen, God's plan for your life is not completed yet. So in the kingdom, change occurs. Faith moves. Faith progresses. Faith embraces change. Faith responds and aligns and calibrates and recalibrates. And, Guys, following the Holy Spirit is more than just talking in tongues, prophesying, or, you know, getting a vision or a dream. Following the Holy Spirit involves regular seasons of growth and change, yet you and I are often misguided when we assume that our pre- previous journey of faith will be a straight, uninterrupted line, you know, like moving in one direction forever. <laughs> Can I say it this way? Faith, the life of faith is not a straight line, God God likes to write our stories in squiggles. (laughs) It's not a theological word, but I I like the way that sounds. God likes to write your story in squiggles, not straight lines. He leads us on these like serpentine paths. But the reason why he does that is he knows where he is taking us. He's already appointed the destination, but he also appoints the pathway to get us to that destination. So it's about trust. It's about faith. It's about embracing change because we know who he is, even if we don't know where he's leading us. And again, please remember, he does this for himself ultimately, but he also does this for us. There is a benefit for us. Listen, the bottom line back in Samuel and Saul is that Saul was no longer the best option for Israel. God said so. God said, I've rejected him. He's not the man that I want to lead my people. He was no longer the best that God had for Israel. Who was? David. David would become their king. But Samuel had invested so much of his life into Saul. And, you know, to have God place a stoppage to that part of Samuel's life and ministry was very difficult for, for, for Samuel to swallow. But swallow it, he did. Samuel filled his horn with oil. Samuel goes down to the house of Jesse and goes through a process and ends up anointing the least likely person in that family as the next king of Israel. David was the runt. David was the youngest son. David was out in the sheep field. And yet that was the one that God picked. The change was dramatic. And I'm just going to say that little of it probably made sense to Samuel at the time, but he obeyed God in the face of this unanticipated change. Now, yes, It was what God wanted. God had his reasons. He didn't disclose everything to Samuel, but I I want you to think now here. We are thousands of years since that day where Jesse obeyed, excuse me, Samuel obeyed and went to the house of Jesse and anointed David. So here we are thousands of years later. And today, if you and I were to take a trip together to Jerusalem and look up at any flagpole waving in the wind, you will see an emblem on that flag. It's a star, and the name of that star is commonly known as the Star of David. So a little over 3,000 years ago, God throws Samuel this curveball, this thing of change that Samuel didn't like, and Samuel swung his faith and connected with what God had thrown his way, and little did Samuel know that through his obedience in a season of change, God would establish the course of a people And raise up the second most glorious king who would ever reign over Israel. King David would become the second most glorious king ever to reign over Israel. The only king more glorious than David was, of course, the coming king, Jesus Christ, who is the king of Israel. And he is going to set up a more glorious reign than David or any other king. But Samuel had to obey. And Samuel had to say yes. And Samuel had to work through his disappointment and his fear and his hurt And Samuel had to get his resolve and say, I'm going to trust this God who's initiated change. And so I think by way of teaching, and then I want to share something with you that speaks to me or in my life that is spoken to by what we've just read. Um, Before I share that, let me just say that sometimes God changes things in our lives because there's a Saul getting in the way of our David. You hear me on that? Sometimes, There's something inferior getting in the way of something coming that is superior. There's a Saul getting in the way of your David. And God says, I got to get the Saul out of the way. I got to get the former thing out of the way. I got to get the inferior thing out of the way that has served its purpose. I'm going to remove it. You thought it would be permanent. You thought it would stay there forever, but I'm done with that season. I'm done with that thing. I'm bringing something new. And so the Saul has to get taken out of the way so that David can come. But we, we tend to cling to our souls, don't we? Because they're familiar to us. We're like Samuel. We, we like what we've already invested in. We like where we've already been. We like the way things have always gone up to this point. And, you know, we know what we are getting with the way things currently are. So we tend to hold on to those things. But when the father discerns that he will be more greatly glorified by making some divine interruptions into our plans and changing our paths and, you know, bringing down our presumptions, we, we do well to do, to release whatever's being required of us. We got to let it go. And, and because when God determines to change things, the the last thing you want to do is oppose what he's changing because you won't win. But if you'll cooperate with the changes that he's bringing, then you will find later that there'll be a flag whipping in the wind with an emblem of God's glory in it that will testify that you obeyed during a season of change. And sometimes God pulls the drapes on the windows through which we love to gaze. He just closes the drapes. He says, you're not looking there anymore. I'm done with that. Believe me, he shut a few doors in my face and he has loudly turned the deadbolt allowing me to go no further. It's happened many times. And you and I have said our goodbyes that we never really volunteered to participate in and change comes and not all of us love it, but that's the way God operates. That's the way the kingdom operates. The kingdom of God is becoming the kingdom of God is not fully manifested yet. And for the kingdom of God to fully manifest, ultimately Jesus has to return and everything's going to be changed. But as the kingdom of God comes incrementally in your life and mine, smaller things have to give way to the bigger things. Former things have to give way to the next things. And so there are changes in assignments. There are changes in locations. There are changes in relationships. There are changes within us and there are changes through us that God wants to work. And most of those times, when especially when we're like younger believers, we struggled intensely at what we perceived as losses through change. We hate to bid farewell to our souls, But then came the Davids that followed. And then came the awareness of a much bigger picture being worked out for us by God. After we said goodbye to the thing that he required, we began to feel in our hearts that, that new thing that he was now supplying, but it only comes when we obey and cooperate with the change. When change, if you think back in your life in times of difficult change, It was during that time that your faith budded, it blossomed, your confidence in God's ways got more solidified. You know, you end up finally sighing in relief and then submitting in faith and surrendering in trust. And that's when you begin to truly trust the mysterious ways of your maker, of your God. And it's through those seasons that you've experienced the most, most spiritual growth. And so if you're going through changes right now, God is growing you. I mean, he's doing something that you can't quite fathom yet, but you know by now that he's trustworthy. So let me just be bold with you. Is there a soul that's being removed from you right now? Is there a change that's happening? Is there a transition that you didn't volunteer for? Something being removed that you thought would be permanent? Is, is in doing so, is God showing you that nothing is really permanent down here? The bigger issue is, you know, not so much whether you get to hold on to what you had or whether you're willing to accept what he's bringing, but the bigger issue is whether or not you're trusting in his goodness and his love and his benevolence towards you as even as he's bringing interruptions to your plans and exchanging them for his plans. So can you let go of all that he calls you to let go of? I hope so. Because if, if it's God that's requiring you to release it, then the reason is because whatever it is, it's actually in the way of something better that he is going to be offering you. And so if it's a season where your Saul has to go, it's also a season where your David's about to arise. So when I'm going through this, I'm going to just tag this in the last couple of minutes. Um, this is a season for for an exchange in my life and my family's life if you're listening to this podcast and we have relationship or you're part of Newbridge Church and um you weren't there on Sunday then i'm going to share an announcement with you that we made to the church on Sunday that um after 27 years at what was originally called Meadow Baptist Church and then later called Newbridge Church 27 years of membership um 24 years in pastoral ministry serving there on staff since 1997 and then um, 18 years since 2000. Well, it'll be 18 years at the end of this year. So really 17 years as the lead pastor. Um, my time is, has come to an end there. And um, it's a it's a suddenly change. I mean, it really is. I I had submitted my resignation to my Co-leaders, my team of leaders at New Bridge, um, about a week ago. Um, and we are cultivating right now my exit strategy that God is saying, Jeff, it's time for you to move on. Here comes the change you never thought would come. Um, listen, when you stay at a church for 27 years and you're serving on staff for 24 of those years, then you, you know, you're kind of in for the long haul. And so, uh, Yeah, and it's actually 2002 to 2021. So it's actually been, you know, almost 19 years serving as lead pastor. But the Lord has made it very clear to me and very clear to my family that um, our time at Newbridge Church is done and it is a season of change. That God is bringing something new to us and hopefully through us in a new place, in a new ministry, in a new season. And I'm going to tell you, we have shed some tears. We have wrestled in the spirit. I've wrestled with my flesh a little bit. It doesn't only impact me. It impacts my wife. Um, it impacts my children. It impacts thousands of people, both uh, those that attend our home church of Newbridge and those that are um, going to be at the place where God sends us to. And so it's like an incredible season. And is there is there challenge? Yeah, man. There's challenge, there's all sorts of questions, there's all sorts of insecurities that rise up, but at the core of it, this is what I hear, I hear God saying to me, Jeff, the previous years are done, they have accomplished my plan, you followed me, you obeyed me, you did what I called you to do, well done, but we are finished in this season and I'm taking you to something new. There's a new flag to be raised. There's a new emblem that will stand. And Jeff, I'm calling you to obey. Amy, I'm calling you to obey. Alicia and Landon, follow your parents as they obey my will. And he's saying the same thing to my dearly beloved family at Newbridge Church. He's saying, hey, uh, there's a David being raised up. I hate to put myself as Saul in this picture, but I will. But uh, Jeff is holding a position that I've, I've got for somebody else to step into And it's not through wrongdoing, it's nobody's fault, it's just the plan of God. And so in order for God's will for our church to move into the future, I've got to get out of the way. In order for God's plan in my life to move towards the future, I've got to be like Samuel and embrace this call so that a David-like experience can be raised up in my own life. And so I'm going to leave you with that and just encourage you, if you think about it, pray for us. Um, the timeline is probably somewhere around the end of February to the middle of March that we wrap everything up and uh, say our final goodbyes. And I'll be able to share with you probably in the next couple of podcasts where I believe we are heading, where we're landing. There's still some things that have to be put in place. And I am going to continue to do all the things that I've been able to do with Transforming Truth, with Mavericks and Misfits, with writing and television and podcasting and media and YouTube and all that stuff. All that stuff still is part of my kingdom assignment. But my home base is going to be different. And so my pastoring uh, a flock is going to change locations. And hopefully by the next podcast, I'll be able to cement that down for you sometime in mid-February, I'll be able to say, this is where we've landed and we're excited to do it. Um, And we're going to miss so much of the relationships and things that we've established um, at Newbridge. But the healthiest of those relationships will continue because they're not situational or geographical. They are kingdom, big K kingdom. And so those will continue. And so why did I share all that with you? As I close, it's simply this. I'm practicing what I preach. (laughs) That's basically what it boils down to. I'm not telling you that God reserves the right to change stuff in your life. And bless God, you better cooperate. No, I'm I'm saying as your brother, um, God reserves the right to change things in my life. 27 years, he's changing my church. 24 years, he's changing where I've served vocationally and serving the same flight. It's all changing. 50 years old. He reserves the right to do it again at 51 or 55 or 75. He is the Lord and he is wise and he is good. and He is trustworthy. So if he's changing things in your life, I will say he's changing things in my life too. And he has led us too far and too well for us to enter into any kind of disturbance over it. God is great and greatly to be praised and we'll continue to follow him. More updates to come. Thanks for listening. Pray for us. And I will check back with you on the next podcast of Mavericks and Misfits. See you later.
0: Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.